Summer is in full swing. The big races are upon us and perhaps if you haven't made the choice to jump to Ultra Spire, now would be the time to do so. Or if you have a stink experience with your old pack that's hanging on for dear life at Tarawera, why don't you treat yourself head to www.ultraspire.nz to check out the biggest range of the comfiest, most beautifully designed running hydration vests in the world. www.ultraspire.nz for more. Get along too while you're on the line. On the line? Online. On the wire. On the wire. On the interwebs to wild things. Check out the new and amazing things you can get your hands on if you score yourself a VIP discount. Uh, if you sign up as a VIP member, then Rob, by using the code DCR2023, will give you an epic new $20 credit for new VIP members. There's a lot of new in that sentence, but that's because I'm a bit excited about it. So get along, do that, wildthings.club. Enjoy. Something that's not new, currants. We've been on the currants buzz for ages. They make us feel gooder. New Zealand blackberries are ace. Head along to www.currants.co.nz to read up on the science behind these wondrous little purple capsules. You get 20% off with your first order of currants 30s with the code DIRTCHURCH. That's www.currants.co.nz. And bringing it home, as always, a ride or die, further faster, the best independently owned outdoor store in the known universe. Goodness me, we've got something cool planned for 2024 with the big FF, but more of that later. Um, if you are heading out on climbing, paddling, tramping, running adventures, uh, running with dogs, look no further than Further Faster for all your gear and expertise needs over the summer. Head to 57A Butchin Street, Sydenham Otutai Christchurch, or hit them up at www.furtherfaster.co.nz. You go something like further, faster, there in Christchurch Rocky is hairy and so is Badger Jules is nice and Jack is delicious Go to further, faster now Go further, faster, there in Christchurch Rocky is hairy and so is Badger Jules is nice and Jack is delicious Go to further, faster now Dirt Church Radio Episode 263 of the Dirt Church Radio Podcast I'm Matt Raymond And I am Eugene Bing I'm tēnā koutou katoa Nau mai, mai. Another car park edition, but a little bit of a twist this time. Describe the scene, Eugene. Well, we are by a river. Uh, you can hear the cicadas. You can see the trees. We're outside this time. R- river's probably an overstretch. Maybe. A creek, maybe. It's too hot to sit in the car, but we've yep. just had a lovely hike out at Riverhead, and, and here we are. I think we're proximate to where we recorded that very first bit of audio that we did. You can hear in the trailer if you go back and listen to it. And also, the little bit that you hear at the end of every episode of Rigby, that was recorded right about here, so we're kind of back to our roots. We are back to where it all began. How have you been, Eugene? Well, yeah, I've been okay. My foot, ankle, whatever, is still being a dick, Uh, so we're managing that, waiting to hear results of a scan, still got my fingers crossed for Old Ghost, looking forward to Tarawera. How about you? Conversely, feeling excellent. Um, if people, if you don't know, if you listen to the Aid Station podcast, you know. If you don't, I had pneumonia a couple of weeks ago. That's why I've been feeling so tired and lousy. But I am healed. I'm recovered, and I'm building. And my physio work's been going really well. In the hamstring, as I was saying to you before, who who would have known that having elastic hamstrings it's useful for things like running? 
mm. and life. Mm. Um, yeah. You can't overrate hamstrings, can you? No. No, really yeah. useful things. Yeah. But um, no, enjoy and, and stupidly excited about Tarawera Ultra Trail. I yeah. I'm, can't wait to, uh, it feels like, I, I described it to a colleague, it's like running away to join the circus. It is. It is. Which piece of artists? I think, well, I might be the lion tamer about to be eaten by the lion. But we have a live show down there. Uh, Q&A with elites at one o'clock on Friday in the Village Green. Yep. We'll be there with a bunch of elites. Some exciting names on that list. Yes. I don't know if they even know yet, so maybe a bit uh, TBC, TBC, but, but we'll... Uh, super exciting. Super exciting. And we're looking forward to being there. We're looking forward to seeing you lot there. Then Saturday morning, we're going to be out at Kawado. Yep. Firmin Field. Firmin Field. 0400 will be there. Kicking the miler off. Kicking the miler off. And then we we, we, we wrap around uh, up the Gundry, down the Newton, and get to Tikitapu, mm. hopefully by way of Tapuia, to to, uh, to watch my beloved uh, embark on her 50k ultramarathon journey, and then out to Tikitapu, yes, from Tapuia, yep, yep, out to Tikitapu to kick off the 21k, otherwise known as the party bus, which I'm super excited about, that's going to be mad, yeah. and then uh, we're on a night train on yeah. the finish line. Yeah, I'm on from 9 to 9. And I'm... Five to five. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And so we're going to be joined by Martin Gafuri. Well, we are joining Martin Gafuri and Ali Pottinger, the great Ali Pottinger, yeah. on the start line. And, of course, we'll be thinking of our mate, Kiri Suta. Rest up. Recover. Well, recover quickly. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. Absolutely. What do we got this week, Eugene? Wow. What do we have? It's an exciting conversation, isn't it? Yeah. Really good. <laughs> Really good, and it's, it's. I think it's always nice to sit with embarrassment if you've made a stunning error, um, which Robin Lesh, you know, pro trial ultra runner, runs for Vibram, um, former team member of America's Magic, mechanical engineering degree from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, um, not Monaco Institute of Technology. Hey, respect to Monaco. No, exactly, exactly. But to be clear, it was Massachusetts, not yes. Monaco. Yeah. And now lives in Wanaka. Mm, she had a breakout season in 2021-22. She finished second at Mount Difficulty in, in the Valley Ultra after starting running kind of, I guess you could say seriously, during the America's Cup when she was down under here with American Magic. She then headed off to the US where she qualified for the Golden Trail Series final in Europe with a string of great performances including a second at Speedgoat second at Whistler 50k so basically she smashed it and then she raced in Europe a bunch last year had some top performances including a win at the trails Aline du Grand Bec how did it go that's pretty good in France and this weekend she's lining up in the 50k yeah the 50k Tarawira yeah uh, look uh, we'll deal with that Robin you know know, motaku hey Uh, (laughs) we'll deal with that right we should do this greatest run ever Greatest run ever. <laughs> greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block. Something that sung to you for some reason. Send it in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. This is from Mark Ford. I want to share with you my greatest run ever. Now, it might not sound like much. A humble 20-minute slow run around the block. But let me tell you, it's a backstory that makes this run truly special. It all began with the 2018 Old Ghost Road Ultra. 
I finished mid-pack, utterly captivated by the rugged beauty of the West Coast landscape. I was hooked. I pulled my heart into training for another go at OGU in February 2019, but fate had other plans. On February the 9th, 2019, I was struck by a sudden and unexpected stroke. It left me paralysed on my left side, struggling to speak and swallow. The cause? An undiagnosed hole in my heart. After weeks of intense rehab, I slowly regained mobility. My first attempt at running was in a pool with my physio, where I had to teach myself to coordinate my arms like a runner once more. My arms initially moved more like a train, together in unison rather than alternating. Four months after the stroke, I had the hole in my heart closed. Eager to run again, I anxiously asked my cardiologist when I could lace up my shoes. His answer filled me with relief. I could run as much as I wanted. Once a minor cut in my groin healed, and so, six days after my operation, I embarked on that slow 20-minute run around the neighbourhood with my wife by my side. That run, that feeling of oxygen filling my lungs, was my greatest run ever. Something I'd once taken for granted had become a profound gift. Since that day, I've made a remarkable recovery, and while some lingering effects remain, they haven't held me back. I've conquered the 65km Wutu K, the Resilience and Valley Ultra, even tackling the coast-to-coast mountain run in 2021 as part of a team. And now, in 2023, I'm gearing up for another shot at OGU in 2024, five years after my stroke. My journey back to this incredible event is more than a personal feat. It's a chance to raise awareness for stroke, offer hope to survivors, and hopefully raise some funds for the New Zealand Stroke Foundation. So when I hit those trails, I'm not just running for myself. I'm running for everyone who's faced their own uphill battle, proving that with determination, anything is possible. Thanks for listening, and see you on the trails. Wow, Mark. Uh, yeah, so it doesn't have to be a massive run, does it? It's all about the story behind the run, as you've proved there. Remarkable. That remarkable. is a massive run. Yeah, that is a massive run. That is a massive run. So, Mark, as he mentioned, he's raising money for the Stroke Foundation at Old Ghost in a couple of weeks. We'll put a link in our show notes. He's doing it to help Stroke Foundation of New Zealand and your, your donation will help survivors in their whanau across the country receive the recovery they absolutely need. The rest of you, have a look at that link, but also have a look at Mark's Greatest Run Ever on our website. Have a look at all the other amazing Greatest Runs Ever we have on the website. Get inspired. Send us your own one, dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. I have to say, as a health professional, I personally, you know, you all have your kind of personal things. Um, for me, stroke is something that I am frightened of and i lost an aunt to a stroke over christmas Mm, that's right you did and yeah it's but also you know that ultimate sort of respect for how people uh come back after having such a you know your brain essentially being uh and i don't i use this word and not in a disrespectful way scrambled yeah um goodness me so well done mark and and yeah. And see you at Old Ghost. See you at Old Ghost. Right. On with our interview. As we said at the top, pro ultra runner, trail runner, Robin Lesh. Beautiful conversation. Radio. And where are you? You're in, in Wanaka or in Queenstown? Depends on the week. <laughs> right now, Wanaka, yeah. And w- where are you otherwise? Uh, at, at Katie Wright's Mafia base in Queenstown. Right. Okay. So she's, re- all right. Well, multi talented, I guess, being a, Queenstown GP, no one would suspect Mafia <laughs> boss as a, a side exactly. hustle. She just combines everything in it. But yeah. like, I guess moving on and, and yeah, she's, she's a polymath. Um, 
God, speaking of polymaths, uh, Robin Lish, welcome to Dirt Church Radio. How are you doing? Good. Yeah. Been here in Queen Santa Monica for oh, almost three months. Um, catching up with friends and running in the mountains. And yeah, no complaints. <laughs> no complaints. And so you you were based in in the South Island for quite a while, and then you took a, a, a sojourn back to the to the USA. What's what's um what's brought you back? Friends and mountains, all the good stuff. Yeah, just we made a lot of really good friends down here in Monica and Queenstown and all over the islands <laughs> with um, wild things and just a lot of special people and getting to come back and hang out with Sean on the North Island and help out with his races up there and then make our way down here and, yeah, spend good time. Perfect. And are you, I mean, before I guess we, we – jump into the history where we're we're racing up to Tarawera. How are you feeling about that? You're, you're racing the 50K. Um, how's that? You feeling question. good? Feeling calm? Yeah. Um, depends on the day, on how calm I'm feeling. Um, <laughs> I do this funny thing where sometimes I get really nervous in the lead up. And then when I get on a start line, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is nice. Um, so I know that'll happen independent of how nervous I am beforehand I'll get online and be like yeah let's dance this music and go do some running um we'll see (laughs) I'll run hard and then we'll be done running hard (laughs) are you you confirm you're running the 50 is that right I think we had you down as all sorts of distances when we were chatting pre-Tarawera yeah Yeah. you guys were spreading some rumors (laughs) last week I, I'll stick my hand up for that. That was just me being ill prepared. I, I, I was, so I apologize if we if we put any additional pressure or or, or anything. That was just uh, ignorance. No, 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 no. It was just entertaining. I got back to the house um, where Katie stays, and one of her roommates, Jeb, was like, "Have you heard? You now run for La Sportiva, and you're running the hundred k." And I was like, "What?" Oh, God. In fairness to my poor research, um, both what that used to be true. <laughs> that was true for a while. We just like this stuff. No, no. Okay, all right. But well, that's okay. Katie well, I, I, I retract, and I, I yeah. easily spend a lot of time with her, so it just blends <laughs> over, probably. All right. Well, for the record, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you care to steer the ship off the rocks, Eugene? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we found it highly entertaining, so it's no, 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 no hard feelings. All right, so, so, um, tell us then, who are, what are you running? And, and are you, you so you're confirming you're not La Sportiva. Is there anyone else we should mention? <laughs> Great question. Um, I'm running the 50k. Um, that's sort of my go-to distance thus far 50k and shorter um, but i will step up to 100k i have been challenged by jerk church now um we're we're I, all in favor of the, I'm running the 50k uh, you know yeah. the, the the shorter distances not the lesser distances they're just as valid so don't take it don't take it as a challenge from us you stick there and you know that's the thing you have had some some great form um in the in the in that sort of distance it's a it's a nice sweet spot isn't it actually 50k yeah it's a bit of a puzzle in a way and that it's still really fast yeah like it's marathon pace for a bit longer on trails <laughs> so it's marathon plus eating a lot and 
sort of this sort of complicated spot in between a long ultra where it's just eat, eat, eat and don't blow up and keep moving really quick the whole time. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little interesting little puzzle. Yeah, it's it's something that yeah, especially especially throwing in the trail component, isn't it? With the you know, fifty K on the road would be much more similar to a to a marathon distance. But yeah, once you throw in trails as well. But I mean Tarawera, what can go wrong? <laughs> less than in a longer distance because you're it's you're running for less time yeah maybe yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly exactly let's can we take it back to the start and tell us where you grew up yeah for sure uh i grew up in the northwest corner of washington state i say north of seattle to make sure it's not confused with washington dc which is a city on the east coast um washington state is near british columbia it's the part I'm from is fairly similar to sort of west coast of the South Island in that it rains a lot and is very green and very moist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I grew up sailing a lot uh, and hiking in the mountains, and those were my sort of activities as a child uh, because I was homeschooled. Yes, I can talk to people, not mm-hmm. an antisocial homeschooler, but I was homeschooled. Uh, and had a, my parents had a model sailboat business, a home business. So we spent a lot of time outdoors, out and about, in the mountains, or on the boat. Yeah. Uh, just a super active childhood. Um, Did you say model sailboats? Yeah. yeah Radio-controlled ah. model sailboats. Wow. And would they be sailed on, if, like, is it, were there lakes and so on to sail them on, or? Yeah, we were right on the coast, well, close to the coast so there was salt water and lakes and everything yeah if anyone listening is interested in a small model sailboat business my dad is 72 and uh anyone who wants to take it over (laughs) feel free to reach out (laughs) we'll put it in the show notes for sale (laughs) yeah perfect (laughs) it's a cool little company it seems like one of those companies that is is just perfect for the location that it is in, you know, the in, in North America in Washington State, like I couldn't see it working in Glen Eden or, um, y- you know, uh, Henderson in Auckland or anything like that. You seem like you need like the population to support such a niche, such yeah. a niche sort of yeah. craft. Yeah, the internet is wild. Company. It's amazing, but shipping times are uh, are fairly vast from New Zealand. Hmm. Mm, mm. Especially in a model sailboat. <laughs> That's right. Hopefully they can get on a bigger ship or an airplane. <laughs> Which, but yes, true, yes. <laughs> true, true, true. And you, you mentioned that a lot of a lot of sailing, and Matt was putting it earlier. You started with your feet in the water, not the dirt. So, tell us a bit more about your your sailing days. Yeah, it's a bit of a path. My dad and mom picked the spot I grew up in because it was halfway between the mountains and the ocean. I was like in the foothills of the Cascades. So they spent a lot of time in the mountains as well, but definitely through high school and college and after college, I was definitely in sailing pretty full on full time, uh, high school sailing team. And then, uh, varsity skipper on a collegiate sailing team. So that's training four days a week and then sailing, racing all day, both days of the weekends. And then after college, I, was training at an Olympic uh, training facility and working there as well. So sailing 
all day, every day, pretty much. What class? What Olympic class? I I really love the NACRA 17s. They're a foiling catamaran. Skiffs are really fun too because they're super, super tippy. Um, the sailing I did in high school and college, I realized you're sitting down all the time. It's a very seated sport. <laughs> Uh, but the Olympic boats, you're trapezing, so you're standing on this incredibly unstable platform that's trying to tip over all the time and keep it from tipping over and sail forward really quickly, <laughs> which was sort of like this puzzle, another puzzle, puzzle of balance and and dynamic movement and response to wind and sort of instantaneous, which in a way is now quite like running on yeah. a vehicle train. It's just responding instantaneously automatically to what you see and what your body's experiencing yeah we've certainly run on trials where the wind has been an issue isn't that right matt but were you in wellington yeah wellington were you involved in yeah. the america's cup as well did i read i was yeah yeah so through all that um training as a uh, as a sailing athlete i ran sort of on the side as a quote-unquote cross-training really it was for my own psyche but um in college I would say I, I need I need help from the sports doctor because I can't run and because I have an injury and I use it for cross-training for sailing so you should help me get well <laughs> which wasn't my collegiate sport so it was a little bit of a far-fetched story but they believed enough of it um so I was always running a little bit, but uh, I went from sailing as an Olympic or sailing from the Olympic Training Center. Uh, got hired from that into American Magic, which is an America's Cup team, um, the American one, which makes sense. Uh, with American Magic, we were based in a lot of different spots, um, but the last one, as a lot of people know, is Auckland. So that was how I first ended up here. Um, in New Zealand, it was a really special opportunity because ever since I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight, my best friend's neighbor, adult neighbor, started visiting New Zealand and then she moved. And my takeaway was, oh, if she, like, if New Zealand was cool enough for her to just up and leave and move there, it must be pretty amazing. So I'd always wanted to go since I was a little child. Um, and so I got to come with the America's Cup uh, in 2020. So in the middle of COVID, which was yeah, that campaign magical feat that was definitely above my pay grade. <laughs> Some, anyway, we got here, which was, uh, we just felt very fortunate. Uh, and proceeded to race in Auckland, put a big hole in our boat, fixed the big hole in our boat, stuff like that. Uh, and then uh, stuck around. What was your role in the team? My official job was weight and center of gravity. So making sure that the boat weighed what it needed to weigh by the rule to be allowed to race. And the margin of error was 1 to 1%. So we had a 1% range that we had to be within to be able to race. And it was my job to make sure that we were in that range from design. So when we just had the concept of the boat and we we're just estimating everything, like this is how much bulkhead C is likely to weigh <laughs> through build. How much does bulkhead C actually weigh through 
racing. Oh, we made this modification to bulkhead C. Now what does the boat weigh? Um, that whole process. But what I spent most of my time on was 3D printing stuff for the whole team. So departments would come and say, oh, we have this problem. We need this thing mounted to this thing somehow. And I'd say, yeah, cool. When do you need it by? Later in the week? How about tomorrow? And I would design something and print it and give it to them. That must have been an incredible, I mean, not not to be too obvious, that must have been an incredible experience moving, you know, halfway around the world and, and with a sort of, I guess it's more, I mean, you've come from a very high performance environment with the Olympic Training Center, but it must have been felt more like sort of a F1, F1 team or something akin to that, hey? Yeah, I don't, uh, interesting, yes, when I zoomed out, <laughs> uh, I don't know if anyone else has experienced this one. Like when you're within something, it's your day-to-day and it's your normal. So I guess when I would beat fans occasionally or have a mentorship conversation with somebody on the outside or do a public speaking event for American Magic and got to sort of interact with people outside the team I was like oh yeah what we're doing is really cool <laughs> but in, to, in it it's just sort of like the day-to-day of work um and it is cool when I sort of stepped away mentally and sort of saw the bigger picture um within the team we're just working on the highest priority thing to get the boat back on the water in one piece practicing the things that we need to practice and testing for the next day. Yeah. And I, you're so right, isn't it? Is that any group of human beings in a high performance environment or regardless from the outside, it would appear one thing, but I guess while you're in it, it's, it's, it is a bunch of human beings being human beings to each other. So everyone has foibles, everyone has good days, bad days. And, and of course there's, you know, there's, there's, I guess for something as, as, potentially dangerous as an America's cup boat, you know, hearing round on, on foils that um, it's, yeah, it, 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 it's quite the dynamic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty scary to watch. I like, cause I knew how on edge they were. Um, and it was just like, Oh, like I know what can happen so quickly. And I guess I can try to forget that I know that and try to enjoy the racing, but <laughs> oh, it's hard to do that. Well, I, I remember being down at the viaduct the day the day when it did go wrong and that capsize happened. That was pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. I there's a lot of a lot of things about that day when it crashed and everything fell well, almost sank and such. My biggest takeaway was just how everyone bonded together and helped like help the boat not sink for starters helped the boat get back to the dock at 11:40 p.m. and then helped get it back together like we were working with team new zealand who had extra boat builders to get the pieces built and the part that we could cut out and fill the hole with like it, it was just this massive team effort and like a coffee shop on the viaduct would like bring us coffee in the morning and just be like here you go like here's for the team good luck everyone like hope you hope it's going well just like how much community assistance there was it's really 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 cool and and during this time i mean you you said that you started you know running cross training running for that sort of you know 
for your main sport. What was happening in your running life? During the cup, I was doing personal fitness as best I could, <laughs> which was, it's always been a priority of mine. So it wasn't, it was definitely at a, uh, a smaller amount of time than I do now as a professional runner, uh, but it was still there. Um, I guess, what was your question exactly? No, no, just in terms of, I'm just really interested to find out, you know, you've moved to New Zealand, you're with uh, American Magic and, and you're in this high performance environment. You're also, you know, like, as you said, now you're a professional trial runner. That's what you do. Um, wh- at what point, and, and it's 2024, you're, you know, we, we're going back four years. You were starting to, I mean, your love of the trails or your love of uh, running was that sort of burgeoning yeah. at that point? I, I, I guess you're doing it as yes. much as you can. Yeah, that's, yes. <laughs> um, so we came to New Zealand, or were allowed in, um, in August of 2020. So we went through quarantine. We got out on a, I don't know, a Tuesday. No, a Thursday, something like that. Uh, on the Friday, we went to this running get-together at a restaurant, <laughs> which I think was this running group sort of like maybe biannual non-running like hang out get to know each other and we appeared and we're like hello we're new (laughs) um can we join we're runners um and they were like oh uh yeah sure pull up a chair uh so we ended up carpooling with a lady from that group the next day to an exterra uh outside of Auckland because we didn't have a car so we carpooled um and that was the first race my husband will push back against this a little bit, but that was the first race that I was like, oh, wait, you can run fast on trails and compete. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> uh, and I was like, wow, that's really, oh, I like this a lot. Uh, fast forward, we had, we were working pretty constantly, but we did get out from Auckland uh, once, maybe once a week, once every two weeks for sure onto the trails and one day we did a really long run and my husband Teddy said something like wow if we do this every weekend we're going to get really fit and I was like "Ooh, let's do this every weekend (laughs) so we did a lot of running exploring and just yeah there wasn't much time outside of the cup so we just found a trail and ran it so we could see more of it and explore and hang out in the bush and get outside of the city and into nature and it just sort of exploded and expanded from there. That must have been so strange coming from, and I'm not sure what the time frame was in, in quarantine at that point, but doing that time in a quarantine facility and then, like you said, going out and just sort of blindly stumbling upon uh, this group of runners and then within another 24 to 48 hours, you're in an exterra. That must, in a new country, that must have been quite the introduction. It was really fun. Yeah, the funniest thing for us coming out of quarantine is we were avoiding people on the street, like we were walking big radiuses around them. And then we're like, no, we don't, we don't have to do this. We can just walk in a straight line. That's allowed. Uh, Yeah, it was a little bit, not foreign of us, but uh, I guess we just hoped that the people at this running group get together would be as friendly as other runners were in other countries 
that we'd lived in. And they were. And it was just sort of a global running friendliness. Um, and a little bit of <laughs> hoping it worked that way. Hmm. Where Do you remember where that first Xterra was? Uh, yes, if I look at a map. Uh, southwest of Auckland on the coast. Oh. Waiuku, maybe. And a big uh, park down there. Yeah, maybe Waiuku. Fantastic. And Yeah, Waiuku. Oh, there yep. we go. And then just can we go back again for your running story? Like where did, where did running start for you? <laughs> running started at in a very small way a couple of times uh the first time was my mother ran when i was young and she was always encouraging me to join her and one week i was like yes i'm gonna start joining you on runs and i went on run one run and i was like oh yeah okay cool and then i went on another run and tripped on a stick and ripped my favorite pants and was really grumpy. <laughs> I was probably like six or so. Oh, not six. Maybe like seven or eight. Um, and so I stopped running <laughs> that time. Um, I dabbled in a couple of other little tiny events. Like I probably won 5K. I was like, I'm going to run every step and I'm not going to walk a single one. I can like run or stop. And I ran every step. I was very proud of that. Uh <laughs> So there were like dabbles of running in my childhood, uh, but more hiking. And then when I was in high school, my mom gave me a walk run program and I was like, oh, I'll just go to week three. That's probably fine. Like I'm, I'm like active. And I tried to do week three and was dying. And I was like, oh, I can't run. Like this just isn't, I just can't do it. Now I know I was like running really, really fast, but that's okay. I will trying to run fast. I didn't know how to like jog. Uh, so I thought I just couldn't run. And then some friends like we're on an island and they said, we're going to go for a run. Come. And I was like, oh, but I can't run. I can't. I can't. And they're like, we'll go slow. You'll be fine. Just come with us. And I was like, oh, fine. And so we ran. It was fine. It was a bit hard, but it was fine. And we got back and they said, Oh, we probably ran like three, four miles. And I said, you can't, but that's impossible. I can't run. You, we can't have run that far. What do you mean? And they said, well, you just did. So you can. And then I started running for fun because apparently I could. Running for fun. And that's, I mean, that's, yeah, like that's the goal for all of us all the time, isn't it? Even when we are pro runners, running for fun. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's something I'm working on is trying to keep remembering that because there's hard days and there's, it's just lots and lots of things that happen <laughs> in running. And that's the basis of it. Like I read a, a running world article ages ago that was about how to train some, some sort of like list of training advice and halfway through it, it said, and by the way, just, just to stop for a second, remember, this is a hobby and you do it for fun, and if you're hating it, you should get a different hobby. <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's easy to say, 
I think. And 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 sort of the runners, you know, the runners industrial complex, like runners world and you know, all all that stuff. Then that's yeah. But how how do you? I mean, I guess it, it it comes back to that America's Cup thing, isn't it? You you're now running professionally. It's what you've decided to devote your time and energy to making this your your profession. How do you um, balance that? Because it, I guess every job, no matter how much someone else might look at a job and go, "This is amazing. You must have the best time." Every job's got to suck a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, and a bit. The tricky bit with running is it's a little bit unclear. I was going to say unclear what you should do, but that's not quite what I mean. I mean more like if you just go harder at it, that's not the best. That doesn't mean it's the best option. It's a lot more nuanced than that, and sometimes definitely not going hard is the option that will get you the furthest. And so finding that in between like when to push hard and when to take a rest day that you're not supposed to have but you really need or to back off a workout or all these little more complicated sort of unclear parts are the bits that are harder to do it's just executing a training plan as it's written it's just deciding to do it and then going and doing it yeah At least that's it's not paint by numbers angle. is it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it's not that cut and dried. It's a lot more, yeah, complicated. And I'm still working out the little bits, and I don't know that I'll ever totally figure it out. I'll do an extra run because I want to be social one week and a couple other things, and then the next week I'm like, oh, yeah, feeling that. <laughs> it's a good takeaway for um, the future. Store that away. Uh yeah, so it's just constantly, and then you know, every week's different. You guys know it all. Like every week's different. It's all, it's all a big puzzle. I guess that's the thing, isn't it? How do you square that circle? And I think, and you know, you got your mate, um, Dr. Katie Wright there, who we were joking with her one time. She, she, we were, we were all sitting in the car. Where it was before Kepler. It was like stormy and thundering and gross, and there was five of us packed into this little hatchback, and she had a, she borrowed a sports watch. <laughs> And we were we were laughing that you know she should run she just generally uses a calendar you know she'd been to Biggs and and she runs <laughs> you know in days or an almanac or something she goes out on big missions um you know that that must be a balancing act right like come with me out into the hills for you know fifteen hours and then how do you execute that next week <laughs> yeah yeah and that I I guess I missed a big a big piece of sort of my progress in running we like got like really hooked in the hooked on trail running up on the north island and then the only thing after finishing the america's cup that was on the calendar was uh mount difficulty <laughs> so we worked our way down to mount difficulty ran mount difficulty ended up in wanaka um, because of mel and i heard this cool runner lady katie was there uh who i'd i had met her after terror when she won in 2021 but she hadn't really met me because I was serving her soup. <laughs> I was like, I'm such a fan. Um, she's like, oh, the nice lady serving soup. I vaguely remember that. Um, anyway, the big piece that I was trying to get to was just spending lots and lots of time with Katie and Wyatt in the mountains on those like 15 to 18 hour days. 
just spending all all day every weekend, uh, which is super fun. Turns out, unfortunately, it doesn't really fit perfectly well into 50k max performance training, which is part of the balance. <laughs> we did rabbit pass a month ago, and I was like, this is not at all in my training, but it's far enough out from Terraware, and I care enough about it as a personal joy and spending time with friends that I'm going to make this work. And we'll go a little lighter next week. There's no second pass, right? And it sounds terribly sort of gauche to say that, but yeah, cool. You stay at home and you do a, a track session um, and, and don't go to rabbit pass. And then we, and this sounds kind of mad, but we'll die. <laughs> do you know? And if you're looking back at the end of your life, yeah. are you going to look back and go like, I'm really glad I stayed back and did those 800s versus I'm really glad I went into the mountains with, you know, my friends and my husband and had a, had a sick time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a balance. And in, in college, I definitely had a couple of moments with, that I remember where I was like, well, most of the time I spent most of the time studying and don't really remember much of that. And there were a couple of moments where I was like, I should be studying. I should be doing this and this and this and this but I want to do something memorable. So I'm going to go and play around on jungle gym with a bunch of friends at 1am because we feel like it. I mean, talking about college, you had an incredibly successful academic time at college as well and started, started young as well. Yeah. A bit of an unusual history. Um, Yes. I went to community college when I was 14 uh from homeschooling and took algebra two and made it this little challenge to not miss a point and get all the extra credits because <laughs> I was a little bit I don't know it was it was a game um and based on how the class was set up it was very possible um and then at, at like continued taking math took all their math uh and then at 16 had taken all the math at the community college, so started taking math at the university and took classes at the university for a year and a half until I was college age <laughs> and then uh, applied to some colleges. One nice one called MIT said, yes, please, you can come here if you would like. So I went to MIT uh, and then continued on. <laughs> yeah. Mechanical engineering, ocean engineering, which is water applications of mechanical engineering. At least that's how I explain it. Yeah, yeah. And I've taken a bit of a pivot because, as you know, I said thanks but no thanks to continuing in the America's Cup and uh, switched over to running. And now I, I just finished, a, or almost finished with a life coaching certification. So that's like, talking to people and helping them figure out how to do what they want to do in life or in management or in whatever they're working on. And then also running coaching and piecing all these other pieces all together. There's two, there's, I guess there's different groups of people and there's kind of, there's, there's numbers people and, and processes people. And then there's kind of at the other end of that bell curve, there's, there's more sort of feelings people and human, that humanities kind of sort of person. How's been the pivot? from doing something 
you know, like laws, maths, formulaic, binary, also dynamic to uh, working with human beings, which are the kind of the the, the spanner in in every <laughs> in every machine, right? You add a human being to anything, yeah, and and they'll find a way to to kind of put the spanner in the works, be it be it consciously or unconsciously. <laughs> bend it around yeah um that's an interesting question i the the first thing i thought of was like life coaching which i've spent now hundreds of hours in conversations it it kind of feels like to me it bridges both halves because on my side as a coach it's like I don't know why I keep saying puzzle so many times in this conversation. <laughs> That's a theme, apparently. Um, but it's kind of like a puzzle. And I, there's all these little pieces that are drifting around. And I'm trying to, like, see what I can, can – see how I can understand what's going on for them. Like, what, what I can – what picture I can paint or how I can slot the pieces together. So it's it's an expression of what it's like for them. And then say, if this is correct – What's keeping you from doing this thing that you want uh, and stuff like that. So it's kind of like it, while it's definitely on the people feeling side, it's also, at least to me, has this analytical mm. piece to it. Or it just feels like it's like not problem solving exactly because it's not a problem, but it's like trying to construct how it works. And I guess people are in so many areas of everything where you could, Sure, you could create an organization that runs like clockwork if it was robots, but it's not robots. And so to have an organization that runs well, you need to figure out how to help the people run in that system well, which means working with the people. Uh, so maybe it's like applied humanity. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's, it's a very... It's- yeah, that, and and that's definitely that's definitely possible. And I think if you get too in the weeds with people and too much into that sort of emotional side, you, you're not actually that's sympathy rather than empathy. You're not moving forward with them. I I remember during the global financial crisis, they decided that for uh, what they needed for specialist mental health and addiction services was this concept called lean thinking. Have you heard of lean thinking? Lean thinking is what they I use have. in. Yeah, right. So they use it with the car robots but, but you in should Tokyo. Explain it. I, I, I've heard the concept, but yeah. I, I just go for car robots. But it's, it's a concept of, you know, you do everything once, there's notable handling, it's all very kind of, there's there's minimal waste and it's about making everything efficient. And and everything needs to be done a sort of formulaic way. And, and if there's one sort of chink in the armor, then it's the whole kind of process is going to fall down. And you're dealing with a bunch of people who... You know, and they got us all together in this massive hall, and we had this huge presentation. It was, you know, they it was my day off. They paid me to be there on my day off. You know, I was thinking, gosh, this is neat getting all this money. And then this one dude stood up with his team and went, "Yeah, we looked at this, but we're not going to do it this way. <laughs> we're, we're not going to do the process like you've directed us to." So at that point, the whole lean thinking thing was was dead on the. It was dead on the dead on the runway essentially because it was this. It, it was too far the other way. You know, you took a took a group of human beings who were used to being in, in super dynamic situations and and thinking about problems and solutions in very sort of idiosyncratic ways. And then they kind of tried to put this really one size fits all um, 
cost saving thing on top and it was yeah it was a spectacular failure just didn't didn't fly at all yeah people are so interesting and i think that's i i don't know yeah i'm just looking back at like how i've decided to form my life with i guess with running and then also with working with people in running coaching and life coaching it's just like they're fascinating and i just yeah i'm just really interested (laughs) um and and that like bridges over to physiology with running it's like how how to understand myself in running and how to uh, like piece together enough pieces to perform it's like on the mental side and on the physical side and all these parts that come together to define the goal like performance it's very specific (laughs) it's very specifically defined but all these sort of undefined pieces have to line up uh and figuring out what the paths are for each of those pieces uh and how to get them all pointing in the same direction Mm. it's like science and art all combined yeah Mm. yeah exactly Mm. so just squaring things off you were here for the america's cup and then at some point you decided to stay presumably and to step away from the america's cup is that is that right was that a conscious decision yes uh yes so after we were after the cup wrapped up um we switched over to a working holiday visa because well lots of reasons one we wanted to explore the south island um and spend some time in new zealand and it was COVID everywhere else people sometimes are like oh so you were stuck in new zealand and i'm like well voluntarily stuck i guess (laughs) um so we switched over to working holiday and stayed here for about two years because they extended working holidays. Um, yeah, got a little bit hooked on everything that you know. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. The people are lovely. The trails are wonderful. Um, uh, sort of as those two years were getting towards the end, I was working a little bit with American Magic as they came back together for the next campaign remotely and part-time and then uh they said great great we want you full-time in florida um i'll pay you a whole bunch of money and be in florida and i was like um no uh yeah i it was what, what point was that I guess I'd done the My Road to Ultra program with Scotty Hawker, um, had gotten the idea and a little bit of the, not exactly push, but a, a lot of, a, a couple of helpful questions from Martin uh, Fari, like, it sounds like you want to do this running thing, but you aren't. Why not? And I had no proper answer. Literally, I was like, "Well, I, because I feel like I'm not ready yet." He's like, "What do you need to feel ready? Confidence?" I'm like, "No, I, I'm no, I have confidence. That's fine. I don't feel like I need to be more confident." It's like, "Okay, so what else?" And I was like, "Um, I mean, money." He's like, "Yeah, that's fair. What else?" And I was like, I, "That's all I got." <laughs> so. Uh, that pointed out to me that if I wanted to try this um, pro running thing, that I should try it. 
So I did, that was where I was at. Sort of, I just decided to go in that direction and sort of take on a year just full on running. And then I got this offer in Florida and was like, "Mm, nope. (laughs) There's a lot of practical reasons that that would be a good decision, but I, I would like to do something else with the rest of my twenties. I mean, that's, yeah. Why not go for it? It's a chance to, to do something. Was that just trying to get my head around the timing? Was that, so you'd, you'd podiumed at Valley Ultra at the end of 21. Is that right? Was that the sort of starting point for kind of thinking seriously about Mm -hmm. jumping off? Yep. Um, yeah. So Scotty and my road really was a really helpful experience at that point in time. Um, it's the first time I'd had a coach <laughs> actually, uh, and had sort of had organized training besides Teddy and I sitting down and saying, okay, there's 14 weeks until Mount difficulty. I heard it's really steep. Um, <laughs> we sat down a bit more than that. Maybe four or five months heard it's really steep what should i do uh <laughs> each week to train so that was my prior sort of most organized that our training had been so that was my first with scotty it was the first time to like really have a coach to focus on something to sort of see what training seriously was like and i loved all of it and so that was sort of the, the opportunity to start thinking I was going to say bigger or longer term, but sort of to try this thing. Um, and yeah. then 2022, you you know, you went off and, you know, <laughs> third at Speedgoat yeah. and, you know, it, it sort of things started to really take off for you. Yeah, that was, that was a fun year. So that year was the, the, I'm going to go throw myself into this, invest in it financially because I, I was working with Vibram then, but and in a very sort of intro level. Um, so I was on my own financially. Uh, I'm going to invest in this financially. I'm going to invest in this time-wise. I'm going to make sort of shift things around in my life to make this possible. I'm going to go all in and see what it's like. I'm going to race the Golden Trail North America circuit um, and speed goat because i felt like it i'm not quite sure how i ended up with speed goat but um so i raced a couple of races in canada and uh, a couple of races in the u.s the sort of big goal was to qualify for the golden trail final and if i placed top three in the north america i would get a free trip to the final and all expenses covered which i was like yeah that's sort of the target but there's absolutely no way that I will be top three in North America. So, I mean, I'll, I'll do the races. I'll like do enough races of the series that I can have, have a (laughs) be ranked, but that's sort of like a a dream, dream, like impossible. Um, So the goal of that year was to race that, go full all in, see what I like, see whether I liked it, see if I wanted to continue, see if I was good enough, like if I liked it and was good enough, and then decide after that. Well, weirdly, uh, I think I was second in North America, second or third, I don't quite remember, Uh, but I did it, (laughs) 
which was just like mind blowing. I was completely, uh, yeah, was, was completely flabbergasted. Um, yeah, just blown out of the water and was like, oh, golly. Well, that worked surprisingly well. <laughs> uh, and then went to the Golden Trail final in Madeira. I think I placed uh, sixth open woman and 16th women overall, which includes all the elites, but there were, I mean, all the world elites, but there were something like 20. It, it was complicated, but I won't try to explain the whole system, but it was, I also placed surprisingly well. Um, and ended that season like, wow, okay, so I'm good enough. I loved it. I want to keep doing this. Now what? Uh, which is sort of what I've been figuring out for the last year or, or so, because so sort of the what to do worked, but the why I was stuck on, because I had a very clear why that first year was see if I like it, see if I'm good enough. And then after I checked those boxes, I was like, okay, what's the next why? <laughs> what now? Um, I think I'm finally getting to figuring that out, which is just to sort of appreciate this opportunity and to take it on and make memories and to just be grateful that I can run and race and train and be in all these amazing places and that it's possible for now. Like, I'm, you never never know what's around the next bend. And that was one of my big takeaways with COVID is if you want to do something, you better do it now because you never know what's going to happen. Borders may shut. People may die. Like it's completely unknown. So do it and appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. It's like you said, isn't it? It's that puzzle and, and you use the, you, you use the analogy and, and, and it's so right though. Hey, because it is a, it is a puzzle. You know, and people, our 13-year-old came out to us the other day and did the classic thing. She said, I've got my life all planned out. And she kind of ran through, it felt like in real time, it went off quite a while, you know, fortnight, fortnightly blocks uh, until she was, you know, I don't, I don't know how old, 28, 29, uh, you know, career, children, house, activities of leisure mapped out and 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 that was you know in her mind that's how straightforward everything will be and i just thought like you, you don't want to sort of sweep it off the table onto the floor and say you foolish child this is all <laughs> this is all for naught but i mean it, what a how constraining that would be hey if it was if, if your life was just that that micromanaged yeah it reminds me a bit of a training plan. She has mapped out the next 20 years of her life in a weekly training plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's and flexible. Yeah. How do you as a professional athlete, you know, someone who, as you said, you know, either second or third in North America, um, how do you give yourself the permission structure to listen to your body? Because everything that we're told with running, with running media, with our, our societal voices, um, our, you know, cultural voices, all that thing is, is we kind of, and especially in that sort of the faster edge of things as we are this kind of, you know, do or die, run through the, run through the broken ankle or whatever it is and, and, and go for it. How do you, 
with compassion and with grace and 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 actually also with purpose give yourself that sort of permission structure to um to be a bit sort of kinder on yourself yeah yeah it's super tricky especially with everything that comes at us in terms of like bigger mileage is better and the more you can throw out your body the better you'll be and you know just go hard and finish it and just push and that'll solve everything and all these ideas which to me work in the can work in the short term definitely don't work in the long term (laughs) i mean for some people everyone's different so some things work for people for me it doesn't work in the long term so i i can grind myself into the ground and that'll work for a short while and i will get faster for a short period and then i'll explode (laughs) i'll combust um it and everything falls apart and it's really i guess one of my big takeaways as i sort of got more practice running at a high level um was just patience which is really not boring but hard (laughs) like you want everything I guess maybe it's our society or maybe it's just, you know, wanting to achieve or just being action oriented person. I don't know. I, it's just, I want things to happen more quickly, but just having the patience that adaptation is the thing that makes us stronger and faster and adaptation needs time. And so the only way to get stronger and faster is to give it time. And if I wear myself too thin, there's my body doesn't have enough energy to repair itself and get stronger. Um, It sounds like I have this all figured out. I don't. I'm still working on it all the time. Um, Yeah, patience. And then there's one little clip from Uphill Uphill Athlete, the the book, which because it's here, I'll just grab it. has really stuck with me because it's it does this little scenario where it's like this can happen if you get sick day one i'm not gonna be able to find the exact page but it's like day one has a slight cold continues training like normal will be fine day two feeling a bit worse takes the workout a little easier day three in essence it's like goes through all this like feeling better does more load Oh, it's worse. Back off. Day 10 is gets pneumonia is off for two weeks. <laughs> it's like, does this seem familiar at all? And it's like, yeah, yeah. Pushing doesn't solve it sometimes. Sometimes it does. Pushing through a workout can be a good thing. But other times it's just backing off. And that is what gives you speed and strength later. It's a big picture and it's patience and it's looking at the month to month versus really wanting to do something today. Patience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talking, preaching to the choir here, you know, Matt's just getting over pneumonia literally. And I've just written a thing about how, about how uh, I didn't listen to my body so much. I now have an actual deformity because of it, Hagelin's deformity on my heel. Uh, so yeah, we we are very, very familiar with that pattern of um, blindly 
trying to believe that things will just get better somehow <laughs> without actually taking heed of what our body is trying to tell us. Um, yeah. So, you know, I've run almost my entire life, which is quite a long time now, and I'm still learning. And I think that's the thing with running is you forget so much and then you have to relearn it over and over and over again. And I think your brain kind of gets carried away and just thinks, yeah, no, 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 it'll be fine. It'll be fine this time. It's it's just a niggle. So, yeah, patience. We need yeah. to constantly yeah. relearn it. And it's tricky because we keep changing. Like you, you were fine doing that thing five years ago or something, and it's not fine this time or, or vice versa. Like you tried doing this double five years ago and you weren't strong enough for it and now it's fine uh so it's sort of constantly adapting too so it's it it's hard to learn <laughs> it's so hard to learn i would like to state for the record as 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 badly as i as, as poorly as i performed with you know um mis sponsoring and misdistancing you at the start i would like to state for the record that i was a uh, i was a paragon of discipline and um and grace in terms of when I got sick. I didn't run through. I went, I know exactly. I, well, I actually thought I'm having a heart attack and I'm dying. But I thought something's really not right here and I'm going to have a rest where in the past I've actually run through it. And um, same result, ended up in hospital. But it it, it it feels better on the other side, I can tell you what. It's, it's, it's quite a nice, it's, it's a hard one lesson, but it, it was worthwhile, I thought. Yeah. Well Which done. I'll, I'll pro Thank you. It's it's my first time. It's, it's sort of <laughs> at, at at forty six. It's uh, it, it feels good to finally finally be there. Um, yeah, Robin. Better than before fifty six. So that's exactly right. Um, I don't think I could have come back fifty six feeling like I just did. Robin, you, it's been so wonderful to talk to you. You've been so generous and. Um, yeah, it's it's. We wish you all the best. We can't wait. Hopefully, we'll see you down at uh, Tarawera Ultra Trail or up at Tarawera Ultra Trail, as as the case may be for you. But look, we'd like to ask you the question that we ask everyone who comes on Dirt Church Radio, and that's Robin Lesh. What's your greatest run ever? Uh, it's 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 cool to get that question because about uh, ooh. Two, two years ago or so, I had my greatest run ever. And <laughs> don't break me too much for this, but I was like, oh, I should write Dirt Church for this. And then then, then maybe they might notice me and invite me on sometime. <laughs> but I uh, didn't write it up. So it's cool that I get to share it. It was uh, over in Glen Orkey, And... Uh, I don't remember what was going on exactly, but we did this long. I was by myself. It was in Glenarchy. It was on the, oh, I don't remember which trail, but it was, on, oh, I could look it up, but it was on the sort of west corner up on these hills that were just a beautiful golden color. And I ran up one way and was exploring by myself, ran through some huts, drank from the streams. I think prior to this, I'd been a bit grumpy. I'm not quite sure, but drank from some streams, ran across, got to this sort of rundown, not rundown exactly, but sort of ruins of a of a mining town, 
I just sat in the grass and just thought about how lucky I've been through the summer of getting to run massive distances with Katie and Teddy and Wyatt and explore the mountains and how we didn't have to go like that. I was really lucky to be able to run 50 Ks every weekend. But the thing that was pivotal about that run is it was when I let go of this idea that we got it into that was like, Oh, if we're not running 50 K weekend, then, then we're not doing anything. Like it's not that it feels like we've done nothing. if We don't like have a big mission and that run in the grass sitting by this sort of ruin, just looking out at Glen Orkey, it was like, no, I'm really lucky to have those experiences and to be able to have this incredible summer and appreciate it and have it as memories for the rest of my life. And I love it all. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. So it's as much about the realization that you came to as, as the run itself. Yeah. I don't think I would have gotten to the realization without the run. <laughs> so it was the combination of it and being able to just, yeah, have a really good relationship with that day of running and be able to just sit and think for a bit as part of my run <laughs> because that's what I wanted at that moment. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. Well, look, since it was so good, we won't berate you for not sending in a greatest run ever. We'll let you off just just <laughs> this once. But, you know, that's it. If you have another one and you don't send it in to us, we'll be very grumpy. Okay. And then we'll need to go I'll, on a I'll, run and I'll sit amongst sure. some ruins. And <laughs> Robin, th- thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it having you. And, um, yeah, like I said, be super cool to catch up uh, pretty soon. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll see you next week. It's good to be forgiven. That's right. <laughs> Glad that my uh, ignorance and overexcitement was entertaining for you I, and your friends. I see it more as overexcitement rather than ignorance. But lack of preparation. Well, maybe a touch. But... Two plus two equals five. <laughs> if you want to get Orwellian about it. Don't take on somebody from MIT over that equation. That's right. right. Uh, that was awesome. Thank you, Robin. We really appreciated it. And we'll see you on the start line. Yeah, look forward to it. And thank you all very much for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. Now, don't forget to sign up to the new Aid Station podcast and newsletter at dirtchurchradio.substack.com. Don't forget to write them with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you. As I mentioned, have a read of them on the website. Then get inspired. Send us your one. Don't cross the finish line at Tuttleware and tell us you've got a greatest run ever. Just send it in to us. Dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. That's right. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Running, Further Faster, Currens, Ultraspire, CLE and Wild Things, and our Substack subscribers. Stay tuned for our show in two weeks when we have another great guest lineup, and check out the DCR aid station next week. Hey, Kornay. Hey, Kornay. Thanks, Rigby.